we can just sort of have you know you ask questions from somebody that hasn't thought about fantasy in a while and as you said i'm like i have twitter injected into my veins man the i i as the discords learned i'm on my phone in the shower like they, they made fun of me yesterday because they're like i was talking to them and they asked me for something i said sorry i don't have it i can't do it right now i'm in the shower and they're like what do you mean you're in the shower and i'm like oh i'm on my phone and they i'm pretty sure everybody thinks i'm like the weirdest guy in the world now but that's okay I mean, I'm no see i actually i believe that that I, i'm I, the weirdest guy in the world or that i'm on my phone in the shower um well <laughs> i know for a fact that you're you know, in the shower i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> I came out wrong. No, I know for a fact that you've injected yourself permanently into the Twitterverse. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly believe, without any reservation, that you would take your phone into the shower just to maintain your presence on Twitter. We're back. Season two is here, and we finally have a name for this show thingy. We're calling this project the Trash Turtle Fantasy Podcast. And once again, diving into the football season with Boots and Trash Dad, formerly known as Iken. Get your oven mitts, because you're going to be handling a lot of hot takes. Enjoy. Like, the, the generic, like, memes about people my age and how like the phone is like glued to their hand and blah 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 like i used to think that wasn't me but like that's totally me like i'm so connected like i can't i can't be away you know what i'm saying like mm. I, I have to be connected to the world or i'll miss something or like i i have to have constant streams of dopamine of information <laughs> going through i can't have an independent thought or god knows what'll happen <laughs> it's so dangerous Plus, you're starting to cultivate a little bit of notoriety there amongst some of the some of the bigger names in the in the fantasy verse. Well, I, I'm obviously I'm trying to become a professional reply guy. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we all can't be CD Carter reply guys. It doesn't pay enough. God knows he does. <laughs> he doesn't even give the interns. Uh, he doesn't even give the interns bathroom breaks. Um, and if and if your uh, suggested Twitter post doesn't get enough exposure, then uh, you don't get to eat that day. So, um. well, I have I have some suggestions for them. I know what kind of diapers are the best ones in case they need you know. <laughs> there you go. I mean, yeah, no, I've I've been enjoying Twitter. A lot of people hate it, and I understand. It's 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 sometimes terrible. It's it's overwhelming at times and sometimes you do need to as they say log off which has kind of become just a joke in and of itself but like it's a lot of what you make it you know i ignore a lot of that stuff i ignore a lot of things i would say are very dumb um which is not to be mean but like there are just some people that like are super nice and sometimes i tune them out um and then there are some people that are very, very, very good at being fantasy football people, and they are very not nice people. And those are the people that I think you just really have to tune out because if you don't, you're you're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> there, there's just some people in the sort of fantasy football Twitter that 
for some reason feel like they need to make it a bad time for other people and i'm not about that yeah um, the mutant I, block button are very liberally used on my twitter <laughs> so so really I, all this really says to me is that uh you just needed yet another discord but this time with the world twitter is the world's discord really yeah in some ways right like there are people on discord that i will you know kind of mess around with them a little meaner too and everything because i know them a lot better but on twitter i'm much more nice you know i don't know everybody that well and it's also if they don't know me sometimes if i'm being sarcastic they're like oh man this guy's a jerk and i'm like oh no i was i, I really was just joking so like someone someone got mad at me because I, I i like really dived into sarcasm once and they were like oh i thought this was obvious and i was like oh no i'm sorry i, I was joking please don't get, please don't get mad at me i yeah. i've only ever had one twitter beef have i ever told you about this you had a twitter beef yeah, it it was like a thirty comment thing, and like I regretted it immediately. Like I, it made me feel terrible because I hated it. But it was about Antonio Gibson. It, I don't know if you know. Do you know how I feel about Antonio Gibson? Well, based on the fact that you have a strong feeling, I'm gonna guess <laughs> that you don't feel that good about him. No, I don't like Antonio Gibson. Like a lot of, and it's tough. It's tough, and I'm gonna tell you why. Um, because he, he was a utility player in college and utility players and players that switch positions naturally look bad on most of my processes, right? It, it's nothing against them. I don't hate them, but they just look bad on the, on the spreadsheets and things like that, right? I play fantasy football on spreadsheets. I've never watched a, a second of film in my life. Um, <laughs> But so guys like Antonio Gibson, he he was more like a wide receiver utility guy in college. So he he looked bad on the process. And then last year, he him being a wide receiver and then now moving to running back and then gets out targeted by uh, J.D. McKissick, who's just a certified, you know, just another guy in the nicest way possible. Yeah, that's not a good thing in my mind. And like volume's important. And it's like, then you add, you have a guy that's not going to check down as much in in uh, Fitzpatrick. You know, I, I just have concerns, and I don't have them that high. I did my rankings today. I have them about in that wide receiver 15 area. And a lot of people are like, no, he's a top 12, top 10 guy. And I'm like, ugh, not into that. So. Did you mean to say wide receiver there? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> running back, uh, Running back 15 area. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about that? You think it's um, too rigid to the process or what? I think that um, we've just injected uh, a level of chaos into that whole system that uh, I'm excited just because you never know what you're going to get with Fitzpatrick, and I'm here for that. Don't so. get me wrong. I'm into the offense you know what I mean? I, I, I'm into it. Like, I wasn't as into Terry, you know, and I've, I've, I've come around a little bit, which is against the process. You know, it is. Being being in on Terry, he was a terrible prospect and everything like that. But we have to adapt to new information. Um, I'm sort of like a mix of, like, 
dynasty process and redraft process, I feel. Like, redraft process says that guys like Logan Thomas and Terry McLaurin are good players, and dynasty process says they're terrible. You know what I mean? Why does dynasty process say that they're terrible, though? Because they don't meet the metrics based on, you know, past models? Yeah, so guys like Terry, they never broke out. They never held the high target share in college, things like that, right? What do you mean Terry never broke out? Oh, he didn't break out in college is what In college, yeah. He was a a very bad prospect. I see. Um, There's something to be said potentially that, like, maybe Ohio State is different because Michael Thomas also came from Ohio State, and he never technically broke out, right? Um and then, like, Logan Thomas, for example, he's another example of a guy that was a position switch, right? He was a very athletic quarterback when he when he was, like, in college. Like, he was a quarterback, and I, sometimes we forget that. But And now he's a tight end. He's made that position switch, and he's done nothing for years, and then now suddenly he has a great year, and it's like redraft process would say that you're probably going to get about the same amount of targets you got last year. That's just kind of how the redraft, you know, those are, that's predictable targets are year to year predictable, but the other part of the process in dynasty sense says that Logan Thomas was a bad prospect and he's probably never going to do anything. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yes. You have to balance those. And that's, that's sometimes hard. Yeah. Especially when your heart says one thing and your brain says another. Yeah, yeah. I hate I hate that. <laughs> I hate it when that happens, but it does. It, it definitely happens. You Especially because, like, like, we all want to root for the underdog. We all want to say, oh, this guy's going to be different. This guy's going to be able to take what nobody's ever done before and do it. And we see it happen sometimes. Yeah, and... <clears throat> I think that's something that a lot of people misunderstand about analytics itself is they kind of, they're like, Oh, you missed on this guy or you missed on that guy. Like every major analytics guy is probably going to tell you Nikhil Harry was their wide receiver one. They're going to tell you that and they're going to be honest. And they're going to say, yeah, Nikhil Harry was my wide receiver one in that class. And it's like, yeah, they missed, but, analytics is about avoiding outliers right so like a lot of analytics people are probably going to miss on guys like terry mclaurin if they're not quickly like adapting to new information and things like that so it's about avoiding people that are a low chance to hit right i see that's not saying that jalen waddle or Devonte smith can't hit they can they just are a lower chance to hit according to the the, the the numbers right which there's more to it than that but that's with, with with what we know they are a low chance to hit well considering i have zero shares of either of them if they don't <laughs> um i'm okay with that well and it's not like you know film people will tell you that you know they're great and everything like that and don't get me wrong i I know I kind of have this like anti-film persona and all this sort of stuff. And I like joke that film is bad or blah, blah, blah. And it's more just that like, I think that a lot of people don't document their film process well enough and don't maybe take ownership of sort of their film process, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, it's hard to quantify yes exactly and if you do you like i do like look at pff like i have a pff subscription 
and and that's film based. And I'm not a film guy, but I trust that they are good film guys. <laughs> right? Yeah. It and that's I, for a, for a, for a little while there, I was really hot on film and and trying to do it myself. But I realized that as someone who did not grow up playing football, I didn't grow up in a analytical coaching aspect. Um, I I only kind of came into fantasy football because it kind of scratched an itch I didn't know I had. Um, and thinking that you can just naively walk into doing film study and just think like, oh, it's not that hard, right? Just, uh, you know, just count the plays. Look, they're doing good, right? Yeah, no, it doesn't work like that. Um, I mean, it requires like dedication and it requires doing it when you don't want to. And it requires just watching boring play after boring play after boring play. And even ones where the person that you're trying to look for isn't even like part of the design for the part of the play. Right, looking for those blocking abilities. Like I don't even know what the fuck I'm looking for sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what makes a good blocker and what makes not a good blocker. I sincerely don't. Like I know it's probably hand placement. It's probably how you're directing them away from the quarterback, how you pick up I mean, your the vision and everything like that. Right? Like I know the fundamentals of what they're looking for. However, I don't know how to translate what I know in my brain to being able to pick up on those little cues that I see during plays. Like I even want. I mean. Even Pre- Brett Coleman, like, he really breaks a lot of that stuff down, right? Sometimes, unless he's highlighting exactly what he's talking about, like, I don't see it, man. <laughs> I really don't. I, but, but you know, the more that you see, the more that you're exposed to it and have them holding your hand through the process, it makes it more accessible, certainly. But in order to just pick that up and be able to see that, not just one person, but in a myriad of people during a play and understanding how it's supposed to unfold, how it does unfold, and what went wrong or what went right. Yeah, it, it, those are things that they. I think that, well, uh, Drew said it best. I mean, we just had, we literally just had an interaction on, on Twitter. Um, he answered a really, he did a really great job. I thought it was a fantastic answer. He basically said the subjectivity, a la the film, provides an outstanding baseline. Mm-hmm. I, and I think that that is ultimately true. Now, I I still love to see these guys in action because I think also it allows you to showcase what makes some of the outliers truly outliers. And what they can physically do, the body control, the the balance sometimes on some of these guys, incredible, incredible stuff. Um, but, you know, are you going to be able to take that and translate it into, let's put this into a spreadsheet and, like, spit out an answer? <laughs> like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So, right. I mean, it's used with caution. And so I am now, because of it, because especially, like, and you're probably influencing me quite a bit, I'm going to more of a hybrid approach to it now where the numbers are important. And I think the numbers actually what they do is the numbers kind of provide me a baseline now. And then I'm going to go form my gut feeling based on like what I see, the situation, you know, what I think is going to happen based on all the other things that are going on. Right. Like, mm-hmm. cause, the, and I think that's where you should be going with the numbers too. Like you shouldn't just like blindly follow the numbers. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually, I get, I, I'm willing, but there's probably people that would disagree with me on that. I bet there's people out there that would agree that you should just strictly follow the numbers and by virtue of volume of, you know, number of leagues, hey, you're going to best ball, like number of leagues. If you follow a, the numbers, you're going to come out on top. You're, as long as you're hitting over 50%, right, you win. Yeah. 
But the thing is, that doesn't work with redraft. That doesn't work with dynasty, right? Because it's not a numbers game with that. There's, yeah. So there's there's a lot to, to sort of discuss there. Like regarding your post with Drew, we're talking about DF Bean Counter on Twitter. He's a great follow, um, one of my favorites. Um, he he had a great reply to you when you were sort of talking about this stuff, and that's the and I'm quoting here. There's a lot of information in fantasy football. It's difficult to separate what is just noise, right? To me, if I were to watch film, everything is noise. I have no idea what is the important stuff to look for. And so I recognize that I'm not a film person. So I strictly focus on what I know, which is the numbers, right? And I let the smart film people at PFF and other film guys I follow on Twitter, I let them figure that out, right? And he even points out that subjectivity is important, you know what I mean? But there Mm -hmm. should be some sort of precedent that it's based off of. So I really liked his reply to you that that I really did. It it, it was pretty good. I, I liked it. What, what I'll say, by the way, for anybody listening, I, I promised Rob I would bring this up. If you're not involved in uh, charitable bets, uh, check it out for a redraft because redraft season is upon us. Uh, you can, you know, join up some leagues and basically I believe how they work is, you know, you all enter a league and you sort of rep a charity. And if you win the league, your charity gets all the buy-ins, right? Um, you can check them out at uh, Twitter. Twitter uh charitable bets and and then uh, reddit.com slash r slash charitable bets so uh rob does great work i know it's something he's really passionate about so um and you can just make normal bets as well you know you don't have to do leagues if you're not into that but i just promised rob i would say that because it is a good cause so good plug there absolutely 100 <laughs> percent agree there uh, Rob so does good work. <laughs> he does do good work, even though, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this: uh-huh. is this is this a year that you're going to go heavy into rookie involve rookie investment in mm-hmm. redraft? People that know me well know that I'm really out on someone like Najee Harris. Um, rookie wide receivers, really Rashad Bateman, pretty into him. I know he's hurt right now. Not too worried. Elijah Moore, I'm into. Jamar Chase had his prices a bit much for me. I'm a huge Jamar Chase guy. You know, uh, people, you know, I, I DM'd Pelts a long time ago and I told them that, uh, Jamar Chase was a Calvin Johnson-esque prospect. And he was like, that's crazy. Um, but I'm not going to probably have any at his current price tag of, I think he's like redraft ADPs like in the fourth or fifth round. And that's a bit rich for me. Um, yeah, I said Elijah Moore, I think rookie Mm -hmm. quarterbacks, eh, Justin Fields is probably the main one that I'm looking at. Yeah. I'm super interested in Justin Fields. However, in redraft, I don't think that I'm going to be targeting any rookie QBs this season. I, I get that. And like I said, I'm playing best ball tournaments, so like I'm looking for like top one percent outcomes here. Yep. And I have to because it's like a GPP. Basically, I'm against fifty thousand other people. I need to look at top outcomes. And Justin Fields starting for fifteen games 
is like a top outcome. Uh, now, so I, I have to think that in sometimes. Now, sometimes. conversely, I don't want this to get misconstrued. Conversely, mm-hmm. I think Justin Fields is an excellent, excellent dynasty prospect, especially in super, super flex. You know, so. that that's a great point. And I don't want to delve too much into sort of dynasty right now, but this QB class is really, 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 really good. And we cannot overlook that. Mm-hmm. Like, we can look at historical hit rates and we can say, oh, two out of five, you know, first-round quarterbacks are, are going to hit, right? Um, or they're going to be good. You know, two out of five, three out of five, blah, blah, blah. This one, I I would bet that it's the exception. We have to remember, we're thinking about quality of first-round quarterbacks. The quality of this year's first-round quarterbacks is higher than that of a normal first-year quarterback. Yeah. The worst quarterback this year is Mac Jones, probably. Right, like he's the worst one in ser- in terms of the process. Right, he just has no no rushing upside really at all, and like you know, you can make arguments that you know he had a lot of receiving help at Alabama, um, but like in terms of you know what we know, Mac Jones comes out as the worst, and even then he's not that bad. Right, like so. I'll tell you the the major downside for me for Mac Jones is that he looks like an evil rich white <laughs> supervillain. <laughs> he does. Well, he's also on the Patriots. Too. He's also I mean, that's, a pa- yeah, that's you're a, a massive guy. downside for me, yeah. Yeah. But but yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. So those are the rookies I'm super into. Kyle Pitts is awesome. He's a unicorn. He's going to break every tight end record in the world, and I'm still not gonna own that much because he's like like round four or round five, and that's too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> fair fair enough. I was going to ask you a question. I saw yeah. an interesting league concept, and I, I just want to get your instant reaction on it. Yes, we don't have to spend it. a lot. Of, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it. But there was this idea that, and I think it's a best ball tournament structure, but or or regular redraft. I don't remember. But your you get a thousand dollars of fab. And that's your, you know, waiver wire budget for the year. But also, your draft position is auctioned. Your 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 initial draft position. So at the beginning of the draft, everybody sits there and they say, "Okay, here's the 101," and everybody bids with their fab. So if you really wanted the 101, you could just spend a hundred percent of your fab budget on it. Oh, that's very interesting. So, what are your just? If, like initial 30 second thoughts on that uh initial 30 second thoughts my initial reaction is that's very interesting it's very novel and i would definitely do a league like that just to try it out but Uh um you know upon 30 seconds of reflection it also just seems like it's a little bit gimmicky but i would do it i would try it i love things that allow players to assign their values onto things it's why i've been liking auction you know Mm -hmm. It allows me to assign my value. I'm not constrained by drafting. And keep in mind, drafting's a true skill. Make no mistake. Good drafters making quick decisions and building good team rosters, that's a skill. That's not an easy thing to do. And if you're good at that, that's awesome. This is just a different skill. And I, I think that's interesting to me. Yeah. No, I'm 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 into it there. Um I was actually looking at the, I don't know if you're familiar, but 
Christopher Harris's uh, La Liga Lebowski. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you actually looked at the rule set for that? No, I haven't. I, I know of it, but I don't know the rules. You kind of have to read a textbook. To, oh no! Oh, it's out. It's outrageous. But it's it's actually kind of cool because it's kind of like every year you hold on to a player, you have to like pay them. Mm-hmm. twice as much salary and like the amount of salary you have to pay them every year goes up that you hold on them so it has there's incentive for uh-huh. dropping your really high value players and obviously their performance correlates if they have a higher performance that directly correlates to the amount of salary that you have to pay them mm-hmm. right so so like your wide receiver one is going to be the most highly paid salary in the league and they change it changes over time and if there's a huge breakout midseason there there's like rules for like instituting a, a holdout or something like that where they where you have to like start paying them more all of a sudden oh my gosh yeah it's crazy it's like an extreme contract league oh yeah i couldn't handle it i, I think I could you could see it. you are the kind of person that would like fuck would be would live for that kind of thing Man, the constant valuation. I, I, I could I could probably try. It, it would be interesting. It'd be a lot of work, though. I can see it being a lot of work, which would be very interesting. Well, um, you love numbers and spreadsheets. Maybe it's the one way that we could get Chris into our Dynasty League. Chris will never join a Dynasty League, I promise. <laughs> well, but that did, doesn't mean I'm not going to stop trying. You should keep trying. Did you want to talk a little bit about best ball? Of course. Um, I I can't possibly have a conversation with you without you bringing up best ball. Yeah, I've been in the best ball streets, that's for sure. I was joking, you know, that I'm a professional content consumer because all I do is consume content right now. And best ball content right now is the stuff, man, I'm telling you. There's so many great best ball creators out there doing so much good stuff right now it's just hilarious so, Pete Overzet being the big one his stuff's hilarious if you've never seen a randomizer best ball draft you're completely missing out There's oh my so god funny. i'm here for those again you know what perhaps <laughs> we'll do maybe we'll do a live recording of a of a best ball draft for you that's a randomizer yeah, i think that would be go. a lot of fun uh let me let me tee you off here um okay why don't you give me your your number one value pick that you enjoy in best ball as of the last week. Okay, so it's it's smart of you to say as of the last week. That's really smart of you because I would have traditionally said Will Fuller or Antonio Brown, but their ADPs have gone up. Um, I have a ton of Will Fuller and Antonio Brown, but yeah, their ADPs are still ridiculous. Uh, I'm going to say of the past few weeks... Guys like Jacoby Myers are still going up in ADP, but they're still underpriced. Um, guys like Terrace Marshall, they're going up. Basically, every wide receiver ADP went up in the past like month and a half, but there's still some that are underpriced. Diami Brown is still underpriced. Um, so you're saying that people aren't falling victim to the RB dead zone anymore, and, and it's displacing. It's being displaced by the wide receivers now. Is that is that the void they're filling? In a way, yes and no. So I think smart drafters, and I'm not the first to talk about this, make a mistake, but I think smart drafters shifted from going things like zero RB and like anchor RB to 
the 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 robust wide receiver drafters, the good ones, I think have shifted to I'm going to stock up on four or so. They're going to start zero RB, and then they're going to actually tackle the dead zone is what I've seen, right? They're still going, like, sort of the, like, four RB builds, but instead of building with, like, top five round RBs, right, they're building with four RB builds with guys in the dead zone. Does that make sense? Like Yes. So it's like, hey, I'm going anchor RB, but instead of going a first-round running back, I'm going to go Travis Etienne. And like yeah. that, I think is so interesting because they're still hitting on wide receiver value in the first few rounds, while still anchoring to a running back that they think has top twelve upside. That's so interesting because if Travis Etienne does hit, you technically basically have an anchor RB build, except you mm-hmm. went zero RB to start with. It's yeah, like for- it, it's like hitting on Antonio Gibson last year, right? right? So and for for the record, you know when I first came into the draft and the results of everything like that, and I saw ETN going to Jack Jacksonville, I wasn't that high on him. Well, let me tell you, I've changed my tune. I'm super high on the dude. I hope he does really well. It's just just is really unfortunate because I also really love um, James Robinson. Yeah, James Robinson there, mainly because the dudes of he was a nobody. And the dude's a star. And, I mean, the Rags for Riches story, everyone loves that. But um, just as a quick aside, I just want to let you know that I have changed my tune on that. I have been kind of paying attention. I actually have been continuing to listen to um, fantasy football podcasts while I've been not so active in the Discord to try and keep up. And that is specifically why I asked you because I know that it changes over time especially because of camp and injuries so like what has been the what have been due to injuries what have been the biggest trends that you've seen in best ball from you know May to now uh so in terms of injuries or just in general ADP trends well so we know what the injuries were but like what have we seen in best ball like who is who has become super overpriced now oh overpriced okay yeah so I would definitely say some wide receivers are a bit overpriced in my mind. I would say Terry McLaurin is overpriced, but I've never been a Terry guy. I've kind of already explained that. Amari Cooper at wide receiver 13 is very overpriced. I know it's so many people are into the Dallas Cowboys stacks this year. It's so rich. It, it To me, Amari has underperformed basically every year. He never lives up to the expectations. I'm so out on Amari Cooper at, um, and CD Lamb at wide receiver eight on underdog. What is going on? Like, and that that's a bit of a response to the sort of the Amari Cooper potentially being injured. It's still overpriced. That's so crazy. You just have to like hope that CD Lamb somehow gets out of the slot on that team, which is going to be interesting because that'd mean he'd have to overtake Amari Cooper. Um, and you would have to hope that like they continue with that crazy passing trends and crazy offense they had last year. It's just not going to happen. Uh, other guys that are overpriced, Tampa Bay wide receivers that are not named Antonio Brown are overpriced. Um, Adam Thielen's probably a little overpriced, but it just depends on how you feel about him. Some people would probably actually call him a value. I wouldn't. Really, tear any wide receiver basically going before Corey Davis in like 
20 picks before are all overpriced because Corey Davis is so ridiculously better than them. It's so insane. Uh, Mike Williams, DJ Chark, they're all overpriced. Jalen Waddle's overpriced. Darnell Mooney, Marquise Brown, all overpriced. Jarvis hey, Landry, just, overpriced. I want to just touch on that real quick. Darnell Mooney. Uh-huh. I quite like Darnell Mooney. But I believe that he is getting a little bit too much spotlight for yeah. what he's going to be bringing to the table. So I I agree. It, Let's I, actually can we talk about that for just a second? Yeah. So Allen Robinson, right? But we have Anthony Miller who departed, right? Yeah, I believe Anthony Miller is in Houston now. Do you think that we now have now Anthony Miller was more of a burner, and I think that and that. Um, Mooney, Mooney is gonna he's gonna take his place basically. I think and he already kind of was right. Mm-hmm. Um, Allen Robinson is obviously going to be your your red zone big he's guy. The main guy, he's gonna get a million targets. Yeah. Is there space for Komet here? I've never been into Komet. That's the thing. Is but, like, but I, just kind of based on your gut reaction, is there even space for it now with a QB that might be able to get something done? Like I said, I was out on him before. Um, I guess I'm asking for is the volume pot potentially there? I'm not asking for a skill position, a skill assessment. I'm asking for a volume position. Probably not. Okay. He's not even that athletic, but I know you didn't want me to talk about that stuff. <laughs> no, that's 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 okay. I I just wa- I wanted your initial gut reaction. Like I said, I kind of wanted you to answer questions unscripted. Yeah. yeah. I like to gut reaction. It's fine. I have I have a share of commit. I hope he works out. Um, you know, if he doesn't, he doesn't, right? And that's how it is. Yeah. Um, one one really cool uh, thing I do look at, which I, I smart people tell me that it matters, and they're smart, so I trust them. Is relative athletic score? Have you ever heard of this? Yes. Yeah. So I think rel- we've we, well, it, it's related to our conversation, our joke about the bars. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and so Cole Komet kind of rates out as like just kind of a sort of average relative athletic score. Like, yeah, he's going to show up like he's an eight, nine, two. Um, but traditionally, I think you're looking for a little higher than that for if you're looking for like a truly elite tight end. Plus, you know, you still have Jimmy Graham there. So, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not, well, not he could he, to it. That could be that could be really good for him for like a mental and like just an overall development position but yeah we can we can talk about developmental tight ends another time i have i have i have something for you now okay hot or not one word answers initial gut reaction randall cobb uh not michael gallup hot gronkowski hot we're assuming at adp right at adp correct yeah 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 Gronk hot. Robbie Anderson. Hot. Denzel Mims. Not. <laughs> even <laughs> at ADP. Even at ADP. Cole Beasley. Not. Well, well uh, can I can I can I pass on Cole Beasley? Why? Because he's hot at eighty, he's like really smoking hot at ADP if he plays. But he's definitely not if 
what seems to be occurring occurs. Does that make sense? Not to I've, get too into the weeds. <laughs> yep. I've purposely been keeping my head in the sand on this one. So, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like the upside is there, but he's a, you know, basically a, you know, fringe wide receiver too for me. Let me, so let me I'm flip. Gonna go, I'm going to go with not. I'll say not. Let me flip that then. Gabe Davis. Not. I know that's yep. your guy. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, so, no, no, no. I actually agree with you here because we're talking at ADP. He's yeah. overhyped. Yeah. That's that's the main reason. I lo- I do love him as a prospect. I think he's got a lot of um, talent. Um, a lot of people think he's just a guy. I'm hopeful that he's not. But at ADP, too much hype. So I actually agree with you here. Julio Jones. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to ask you tough ones. That that is a tough one. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say not, but I have a bunch of Julio, but I'm gonna say not just at the cost. He's going as wide receiver eighteen right now. That's probably exactly where he belongs. Okay. Any Jets running back. Say that again, sorry. Any Jets running back. Uh yeah, hot. Uh, just not Michael Carter. <laughs> okay, go. Okay, please elaborate on that one just quickly. So uh, I I'm subscribing to the narrative that Robert Sala and uh, Lafleur, the younger Lafleur, I believe, who is the offensive coordinator there, they both come from the Shanahan tree. They both have spent like the past like five years in, in with with Shanahan. So I believe that we're going to be looking at sort of a committee. I don't think Michael Carter's anything. Everything tells us that he's probably nothing. Right? He's like a fourth round running back pick or something like that. They rarely if ever hit the comps are terrible someone compared him to james white today on twitter and it seemed like a good comp um so yeah I, i'm totally out on that kind of aspect especially because he's going too expensive but i'll take like a ty johnson or a tevin coleman at the price because they're just basically undrafted right now so uh, yeah the, uh, if it's a committee i'm probably just going to take the cheapest one that's that's what i do that's uh, I mean in best ball that's a good option. Are any of them worth drafting and redraft? Uh, one word answer no. Yeah, one word answer no. So perhaps perhaps a um a very last round flyer pick or something like that. Yeah. If you're comfortable with your team I can see somebody sort of deciding that they would take the risk, but there's probably going to be someone else I like more. Now I'm only asking because the Jets are just wholly uninteresting in general, mm-hmm. pretty much year to year. However, sometimes teams produce a nice little gem in there for you. They can help you win your championship, and you yep. never know. It might be the effing Jets. So I'm thinking Elijah Moore if I had to pick one. I'll say the Jets are the third least, the third lowest uh, implied team scoring total. So who's the lowest? Uh, Texans, by a lot. Oh, by a lot. well, what if <laughs> what, what if Deshaun Watson plays? Do you think that that changes? Oh yeah, yeah, it's gonna go up like five points. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll be they'll be considered a top fifteen offense at that point. I mean, okay. the bottom bottom five right now, which I think are totally egregious, are the Bengals, Bears, Jets, Lions, and Texans. 
to me, the the bang, there's going to be league winners in those teams. I've talked about this before, yep. so I don't want to go over it too much. But um, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends don't depend as much on team scoring as other positions because running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends catch passes, which generate fantasy points. Quarterbacks depend on team scoring because they need touchdowns to score points. Passing yards don't really give quarterbacks that many points, but wide receivers tight ends running backs they get points for rushing yards receiving yards and catches and it adds up more for them unless you're in a league that gives you points for completion which feels weird to me but i wouldn't do that so pe- yeah and i i did see you say that earlier someone in that teams those teams are going to be league winners in my mind yeah and uh in my mind it's swift but I'm just a massive, massive Swift fan, and everybody knows it. So. To me, if I'm just quickly going through those teams, uh, Bengals, Higgins, Chase, Burrow, would be, or, and, and Mixon would be my choices of guys that are going to score. I don't believe that the Bengals are a fifth worst scoring offense. I just think that's ridiculous. Um, there's no chance that their team's going to be an amazing offense this year. How are um, the Patriots not down in that range? Patriots are like... 12 or something bottom 12 pretty terrible uh i don't know why <laughs> i have no idea why uh bears justin fields Allen robinson uh not david montgomery i'm not super into him not uh, this year he it was a fluke last year yeah jets uh elijah moore jameson crowder would be my choices nobody else really um lions swift and hawk and texans realistically nobody but maybe brandon cooks realistically nobody yeah i mean brandon cooks is awesome and i i don't like disrespecting him because of everything that he's done um but you know he's gone from literally like four hall of fame four amazing quarterbacks and amazing offenses in a row to tyrod taylor who who can support a wide receiver one i think he supported sammy watkins in buffalo that one year that sammy had his best year so it's like possible i just wouldn't bet on it with brandon cooks yeah no i'm on board with you here so that was a pretty good talk um kind of a little more organic this time right like we didn't really we you and i didn't prep much for this episode i hope that's not obvious but uh you know, I feel like we had some good talks there, you know. Um, you don't need prep. I, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm a professional fantasy football content consumer. Um, all I do is listen to fantasy football content. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, that was a great talk. Um, you can find, uh, if you, you know, want to hear more of my terrible takes, uh, I it's in my Twitter description. It says, sometimes I pretend to know what I'm talking about. But you can uh, find these takes on at uh, Boots Fantasy. That's Boots with a Z um, on Twitter. Uh, I'm always on there. As you learned, even in the shower, I'm always on Twitter. So uh, what about you, Icon? Yeah, no, thanks for thanks for bringing me back in. I have been a little bit on hiatus. I've just had my mind elsewhere lately, mostly in my garden, though. Um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter as well at Dr. Trash Dad. That is D-R Trash Dad. And then uh, we will be posting these. And it, this might be where you found it, but we will be posting these episodes on my website, which is trash.farm. Correction, pod.football. 
And uh, yeah, well, now that we're starting to, I mean, I feel it in the air, man. I think it's about time to bring this stuff back. I know. I, I, I missed recording these. I'm sure yeah. you did as well. The whole world's been crazy and on fire and falling apart. And, and now, you know, it's nice to sort of get back to some semblance of uh, normalcy. And uh, yeah, but, this is sort it, of the first step. <laughs> it is nice to have a good distraction away from uh yeah the craziness of the world it's nice to uh nice to be able to bring some sports back into our lives and you know see some good athletes play so absolutely but all right folks until next time yep